And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. Welcome to Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Now, first things first, well done for listening. (laughs) We appreciate you tuning in after a performance as bad as that and we'll try and find some solace, although I'm not sure where from. Joining me, what is now less a podcast and more a support group, uh, it's Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark. Morning. Good morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the mood we're looking at. Um, Okay, we're going to do an opening question, uh, and this is based, it's a little bit of a sort of joke based around what happened last time we were struggling to qualify for the Champions League and we got some help. Uh, What is your favourite pre-match Italian dish Uh, and the best one you've ever had? Amy? (laughs) I think I might just choose lasagna. I mean, I'm not even a meat eater, but I think even at this particular time, you know, one has to think about priorities. So I I do believe there's some sort of secret ingredients that, uh, uh, you know, there's a special spice that, uh, you know, is a family recipe of the Vengas from Arsene's, uh, you know, pub where he used to grow up with his mum and dad running the restaurant in Alsace. Wow. So if wow. he can pass that uh, secret ingredient on to Mikel Arteta before the weekend uh, and we can make sure there's plenty of lasagna in uh, making its way down to Norfolk. Well, if the a, secret ingredient some- is two-week-old cheese, that'd be a good idea, wouldn't it, really? <laughs> to be honest with you, uh, that would help because that's, that's the sort of help we need. But as I've said uh, elsewhere uh, this week, if um, you never know, we might get some help. If um, if we can come second in Eurovision, Norwich can beat Tottenham, right? Uh, Adrian, <laughs> what have you got? What, well, what's your favourite Italian dish? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it's cooked by an Arsenal chef in Norfolk, yeah, it's definitely lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> well, there there agreed, are Arsenal chefs that pop up everywhere. You know that, don't you? So, yeah, let's, let's hope that happens. <laughs> I'm just trying to think... Actually, when we, when um, sort of my my pre match uh, Italian dish was kind of like a tale of my career. Really, it started off at Arsenal, where you'd get a chef um, cooking it for you. Um, you know, top top notch top notch carbonara, and then I ended up at, at, at Stevenage in the in the <laughs> National League, where we had and I'm not joking those sort of 99p ASDA jobs, where we just had to heat it up in a microwave on the way to the game. So that was that's the story of story of my the trajectory of my career um, in a, in, a, in a carbonara. There you go. Oh, I, I I I've got to be honest. I don't really approve of eating at football. I find eating at football a bit annoying. Just turn up. What's the game? I understand if you're playing everything 
something. But um, uh, so oh, I don't really. Good of you. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, no, no. Obviously, it's different if you need some sort of, you know. I, I mean, I, um, I played football uh, the other night. I um, pasta is what I go for. A bit of pasta about three hours before and slow release carbs is what is needed. Makes all the and difference, I'm sure, Ian. For you. Apparent. Well, it did to me. You should have seen me get up and down. I honestly, I could have come on for Tommy Asu last night. Let me tell you, I couldn't. I absolutely couldn't. Anyway. We'd have held your up. position though, Stoney, wouldn't you? You'd have held well, your position I, for that. I wouldn't have made a run, goal. so I would have held my God, he's always in position, isn't he? Yeah, he never moves. I don't know if someone is not ready for this game. Stay at home. That's simple as it, no? Doesn't matter the age. You can be 30, you can be 35, you can be 10, you can be 18. If you're not ready for that, you're nervous, stay on the bench or stay at home. Don't come here. Yes, Newcastle to Arsenal nil. Uh, before we get into it, can we hear what James had to say? James McNicholas of this pod went to the game and uh, he made a little um, audio for us. There's a lot of disappointment around tonight, a lot of feeling that we didn't really turn up for the occasion. And I, I wasn't in the away end of Spurs, but I imagine the feeling is pretty similar. Two chances we had to really put down a marker. Um, put ourselves in that driving seat for fourth place we've let both pass by I think it's Spurs is now to lose of course they go to Norwich you would expect them to beat them um, to be honest a draw is good enough for them at this stage so it feels like it's gone <sighs> a real shame ultimately Arsenal were shown to be not good enough um, you know if you can't beat a side like Newcastle maybe you're not a Champions League quality team and I might be being emotional right now but that's kind of how I feel about it coming out of the game. You can't make any argument that Arsenal should have taken something from this. Against Spurs, you could look at the refereeing and say, look, it might have turned out a different way. On this occasion, as I said, Arsenal's second best to everything. Uh, fair play to Newcastle, but Arsenal just didn't show up tonight. Good luck with the pod, guys. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> yeah, thanks for the best wishes, uh, James. We appreciate it. Nice I think my favourite moment was the sigh, Adrian. It was uh, a beautiful I think we all, sigh, wasn't it? It was yeah, a beautiful was... sigh, and I think that was a sigh for all Arsenal fans, wasn't it? Yeah. I heard you on Talk Sport this morning mm. uh, basically saying the same thing. We did not turn up. Can I ask a question, right, as someone who played the game? Mm. What, what? Why did they not turn up? Why? I don't... I, I actually can't get my head around why they wouldn't turn up in a game like that. Because there were two teams, Stoney, in a match. And so, so, often one team is better than the other on the day. And Newcastle were. You, as bad as we were, and we were bad, we were on our heels, we were slow to everything. We, we didn't play with any movement or confidence. And we were nervous. Newcastle were the opposite. And they were inspired. They were, yeah, they just looked fitter, stronger, hungrier, just better. Crowd behind them as well. Crowd behind them, it makes a difference. I think that mentally, we, it feel like, feels like we hit a brick wall at Spurs and at St. James's Park where it was really hostile on both occasions. And it, it just felt like it, it got to the players where it got to their legs, their heads. I'm not quite sure, maybe a combination of the two. But it, it, it happens. And uh, yeah, we encountered... A Newcastle side that I have to say were fantastic on the night, um, and and yeah, they they yeah too good for us. Which which I can't ever remember saying that Newcastle were too good for an Arsenal side. So that is you know it's tough to take. 
Yeah, well, you were on the pod last week saying we are better than Newcastle, mm. and and we have been better than Newcastle in the past. We certainly weren't last night. Uh, Amy, do you think uh, I heard Gary Neville after the game? They were pretty scathing about Arsenal on Monday Night Football uh, last night. Gary Neville said that we were brutalised at Tottenham and we hadn't really got over it. Do you think there's some truth in that? I don't know. I mean, but there are patterns in that this season we've seen defeats come in clusters. Started at the beginning of the season, uh, very damagingly not too long ago, having you know, a similar experience at Crystal Palace as was at uh, White Hart Lane and then going on to be unable to raise themselves for, you know, the subsequent two games that should should have produced some points somewhere. And I think that's the frustration really is that you, you look across the season and see a number of matches where it shouldn't have taken too much to turn a defeat and a poor performance into a win and a better performance. And whether that's just an experience, whether that's the levels to which the squad has been stretched. I just keep going back to January. Mm. You know, it's it's really... I, I just remember, I can feel like I'm back in January almost having that same gut feeling that I had at the time of, oh, this is a gamble, you know. This is really, really an extreme gamble. And to, you know, to, to, to have a p- potential to strengthen the squad. And I think that if the right players at the right prices and the right deals had been available, and we all know how hard it is in January, I would like to think that there could have been a small difference in one of those matches somewhere along the line, which would have been enough because it's not going to be much that, that Arsenal miss out by in no. the end. And the the problem with January was, you know, while the kind of headline risk was Aubameyang and the inability to bring in another striker and it, you know, you, you, you just looked at it and thought, have Arsenal got enough goals in them for half a season? And you look at the, the goals scored right now and that's not the case. But there were also big gambles taken as as, as far as um, other other positions. It wasn't just striker. I mean, we've seen how how damaging it's been to be without the two first choice fullbacks for a long period. And unfortunately, there is a, a, a big drop off in quality when the, the, the deputies come in. That's just a fact. And the same goes for Thomas Partey. You know, he he is the main man as a, as a midfield anchor. He's not played enough football this season. Um, Arsenal needed when they took that in January when they had all the conversations they would have had over all the positions that they that they had, whether it was letting people go who might have helped, or whether it was not being able to bring in someone who might have helped. Um, it needed. It needed everything to go right. Yeah. You know, there was so little room for manoeuvre. It needed good luck on a bunch of levels, injuries, goals, officials. And it feels a bit like all those things where it needed lots of luck. It's been bad luck for one reason or another. And I'm not saying, uh, but that that part of that luck is brought upon Arsenal by the fact that they needed everything to be perfect. Yeah. When you're bringing on Cedric and Pepe, I mean, I mean, Pepe. Obviously, I think most people agree that that was a bit of a waste of money. Um, Cedric, he's not. I mean, Adrian, you've got 
you're not particularly happy with him. He's not of the level, is he, really? When you're looking at a team that's trying to qualify for the Champions League, you can't be bringing Cedric on. He's not, not, sorry, can I just interrupt before you answer that, Adrian? And I'd love to hear what you've got to say about that. But just statistically, if you look at the amount of games that our fullbacks have played this year, Premier League games only, Tierney's 22, Tommy Yasu's 21, Nuno Tavares is 21, and Cedric is 20. He's played 20 Premier League games. That's just not bringing someone on. No, but no, you're right. Sorry, go back to you, Adrian. No, there's too big a drop off. There's too big a drop off between the first choice and second second choice, isn't there? And that's yeah, not we, just there, is it, Cedric? Not just uh, there, it's not no. just with him, no. No, um, yeah. I mean, Cedric had a bad night, didn't he? That it, it was really, it was ba- it's a really basic, elementary mistake, really, for that first goal, uh, where you know you see the switcher playing. They were doing it all night, where the wide player was coming short to drag the fullback in tight to leave space for ordinarily for Callum Wilson to spin into the channels. We kept falling for it the whole game. In this example, I mean, Cedric has to hold his position. Sam Maximan can't hurt him from inside his own half, but the space can hurt him behind. He goes to press him. And if you go and press him, you cannot under any circumstances let the ball go past you. And he does. And and Joel Linton's just got too much legs for, for El Nenian. And they score the goal. So, and why doesn't Ben White go out, go across? Oh, and there's cover nothing on Ben point? White there, honestly. There's nothing. No, on no. Ben White. I'm it's, just okay. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I, listen, I would agree with you about yeah. Cedric. I, like I say, we we've talked about Pepe as well. Can I ask about Granite Jacker's interview, Amy? Um, he he said basically this is what he said. He was very scathing at a performance from the first minute until the 90th minute. We didn't deserve to be on the pitch today. I don't know why we're not doing what the coach is asking from us. If someone is not ready for this game, stay at home. He didn't say who he was talking about. He possibly could have been talking about him. Um, And it's not like he hasn't let us down on a number of occasions this year. I mean, do you think that these interviews done in the heat of the moment after the game, you can't really take them too literally or or I mean who was he talking about there do, do you have any thoughts no idea I think it was a generic <laughs> frustration emotional response exactly uh, if you'd have interviewed most fans and I know obviously Granite Xhaka is not a fan but I'm just saying hypothetically just anyone who cares about Arsenal and s- said what do you think everyone would have said well it was a bloody point of anyone showing up playing like that I mean it, you know as a sentiment I think everybody could probably relate to it I think that in general, most people do not speak with their most rational, cool thoughts when they've got a microphone thrust in front of them about a minute and a half after coming out of a game that went badly that affects not just that day, but that season and the next season. You know, there is a magnitude of that on those two games that we've had recently. And I think... There was huge emotion and huge pressure on those players and not many of them handled it very well. No, no. Yeah, it's a lack of maturity, isn't it? Yeah, I think... think, Lack of quality as well? Definitely lack of quality as well because so many of the players that were involved in the game at St James's Park were, were very peripheral figures not that long ago. We were having to rely on too many 
fringe guys that really weren't part of Mikel Arteta's plans. Which which trust. goes back, Adrian, to the squad depth that Amy was talking about and yeah. not strengthening in January. But can yeah. I just put it out there, right? I agree. Amy, I totally agree with you. We should have strengthened in January. But if you can't get the guys you want and the option then is to bring in a couple of expensive loanees, is that, do you just do that because that's what you have to do? Yeah, if I can tell you this way, I just feel that Arsenal's decision-making in January, when you look back, sent out a message that they hoped to get in the Champions League. We hope to we hope to get there. Um, I think if they'd have acted more decisively, been more proactive in the market and, and yeah, gambled on, on one or two, it would have sent out a, a stronger message, a message that, yeah, we're going to grab this opportunity. And I just... But it's easy now. But I think most of us saw it at the time. Yeah, we talked about it This is the year we pod. had no European football. This is the year where everyone else was distracted and we weren't. Obviously, Tottenham ended up going out of Europe as well. But this was the year we were out of the Cups early. We only had to concentrate on the league. It was the year where Manchester United were rubbish. And, and, and I think it was the year to speculate. And we didn't. And we are going to pay a price for that. And um, it's disappointing, but but it's yeah, it's it's gone, and and we have to we have to crack on and and, and make sure that we speculate this summer, and and beef up this squad. That being the case, um, Amy, I'll ask you this: Would you agree with one of the things that that Jamie Carragher said last night, saying it was basically a disaster for Arsenal what happened because because of what Adrian said that we're not having. We didn't have European football, and this was the year when Tottenham and Manchester United were not doing quite as well. Uh, Newcastle obviously going to have money next year. This was our chance, and the fact that we haven't taken it is a disaster for the club moving forward. I don't know. I mean, I can see what the logic is. It's hard to read it as a disaster right now, sitting here today. It feels too strong, because, doesn't it, disaster? Yeah, it feels That's a little bit said. strong to I'm me. Just, That's what yeah. he said. I'm just yeah. not happening to agree that it's quite that strong. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, it would have been mighty handy to take advantage of it this year, but it doesn't mean to say that Arsenal would have got it again next year or not. I mean, we're all dealing in these massive hypotheticals. So, yeah, the strain of playing Champions League football every week might have knocked it out of us in the league anyway. I mean, I know it's the Europa League Thursday to Sunday, but why is that any more difficult than Wednesday to Saturday? In, in a season where we had a full week to prepare for most matches, we lost 13. We lost thirteen. That we've is lost true. thirteen. Yeah, um, we've won a lot, which is great, but we've lost thirteen games. So, I'd, when when all is said and done, when the dust settles, you you can't expect to get top four if you lose thirteen matches. So, I think that the team needs to mature. Obviously, mentally, they needs a bit more depth and quality, or a lot more depth, a bit more quality, and and I think I don't want to be too critical of Mikel Arteta because I think by and large he's done a really good job. But but failure to turn around deficits can't be ignored. I don't. Yeah. I think when some, we I go think behind, he has to look at himself, and the coaching staff will do this, I'm sure, and say, look, how can we impact games from the bench? How can we turn turn the ship around when things are going against us? And that is something that 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 he, he will get better at. I'm, I'm convinced of it. Doesn't he look at the board? Doesn't he say to the board, look, I didn't have anything on the bench really that can change what's happening on the three pitch. Three youth teamers the at least. For the, last, for, the last three or four, for the last three months, we've had at least three youth teamers that, that were there for number only, really. He was never going to put one on. 
So yeah, that that much is that much is clear. I, yeah, I hope I hope Mikel is strong with the board and sit and, and you know ask for ask for a lot of players because I think a lot of players are needed really. Uh, but but him himself, he he'll 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 look at himself in the mirror. I'm pretty sure of this and say, how can I impact matches from the bench from a tactical point of view? Can I be better? At that, and and I think the answer is yes. For example, the game at Newcastle, I, I do feel in isolation the changes that that were made made us worse. Yeah, um, it imbalanced us. It was a little bit of sort of let's just chuck on forwards and and hope for the best. And it, it and it gave us no platform to actually get into their half to try and score a goal. So, so yeah, there are lots of reasons why we why we seem to have sort of not quite made it. But I suppose, and, I, and I've said this to you guys before, if we've got a young team, we have a young coach as well. He was up against Antonio Conte on Thursday and Eddie Howe uh, last night, both of whom are much more experienced than him. So I think there has to be a bit of leeway. Um, on on uh, Sunday, final game of the season against, Evans, uh, against Everton, I mean, I've got written down on the script how you're setting up. Uh, Adrian, I'll ask you, I mean, does it does it really depend on who's around, to be honest, and, and who's available? And, and you know, are we going to yeah. play 4-4, four, 2-3-1 four, or whatever we normally do? I don't see it being any different. It's At home, we've been strong. It's the sort of match that we've been winning. Um, one last hurrah. Yeah, of course, we want to go out on a high. Who plays? I mean, Smith Rowe didn't look right, did he? No, not at all. Really, didn't get into the game. Peripheral. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't play Cedric. But then, who who does play right back? It, it's, it, yeah, it's is. Do you know what? I kind of don't care how we set up. I just want to see. I want to see a performance of pride, a performance that lifts the fans, that sends us away on our summer holidays, feeling a bit more optimism, a bit more positive about about the future. But you know, no matter what happens, even if we destroy Everton 5-0 with a great performance and even if at the same time Norwich somehow produce a miracle we can't let that mask what needs to be done and that is that that there needs to be a lot of surgery to the squad Um, we need to give these these brilliant young players a better group around them um, to to give them the platform to shine yeah means that means I think Six or seven signings, you know, particularly in the in the midfield. Well, particularly up front, but but also you know in midfield and defence too. Adrian, talking of of that sort of strengthening uh, bid, do you think? I mean, obviously the strategy was made pretty clear last uh, summer about the type of quality in terms of age range and experience and so on that they looked at. Do you think that they need to? have a think about maybe bringing in one or two more experienced players or slightly older players who've been around the block a bit that might be of a superior quality to the older players currently around? Yeah. If, Rather if than just we, bringing in a load more 22, 23 Absolutely, yes. There's a value in signing a really good 28, 29-year-old, 27, 28, 29-year-old, even a 30-year-old. But probably on, we'll only do it if we lose some of our senior members, if if they go, I don't think the squad needs more older heads. Particularly, maybe we need more reliable older heads. That would be my my, my feeling, and and older heads that that you can, yeah, that that, that maybe you can trust a little bit more. Older to, heads, to steer Adrian. Us through. Mm. Older heads, Adrian, that you could trust in games like Spurs away and Newcastle away. Yeah, that exactly. would have maybe looked at the young kids on that pitch and go, you know what, just just. 
come back in for 10 minutes and just have what we hold. Because it's not just about, you know, I was slightly critical of Mikel Arteta there, for, you know, not impacting games from the bench. And I think that's justified. But I also would be as critical of a Granite Xhaka, of a Neto Nenny, you know, to some degree, of a Lacazette, of, of all the senior guys to say, look, what did you do? to turn things around on the pitch? Were you able to stamp your authority and, 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 and give the right, impart the right advice on these kids around you and give them the confidence to, to shine? And when things were, were going badly in games, I think the answer to that is they didn't do enough. So, you know, because the, the, the proof is in the pudding with the results. Um, so that, that, in terms of adversity, you lean on the guys that have been there and done it. Uh, unfortunately, the manager hasn't really been there and done it. As a coach, has he? Because he's he's learning on the job. So some of these players have to, you know, had to shoulder more responsibility and they, they, they came a bit short, really. Yeah, that is the path we chose, though. I think in the last, um, when we do the last podcast on um, Monday, we'll go through the, the pluses and minuses. And I think we've certainly uh, uh, come up with some... Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to dwell on this game anymore, really. It was it was just a worse version of Tottenham, wasn't it, really? <laughs> At least in the Tottenham game, I felt like there were some individual mistakes that you just go, yeah, OK, Rob Holding made a bit of an error and a slightly dodgy penalty, whereas this, it was just pretty awful from start to finish. It was bad in the first half and got worse in the second, really, and uh, and and massively depressing. And But I have to say, by the way, and, I, and, and Granit Xhaka said it, and I think Mikel Arteta mentioned it, the travelling fans still made a noise, and they didn't get a lot from the players to make a noise about, but they still made a noise, and uh, fair play for travelling all that way on a Monday night. I imagine quite a lot of them are travelling home uh, right now. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at the time. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Let's have a song before we go. Uh, Amy, what have we got? <laughs> well, in the spirit of miracles, I, um, I googled bands from Norwich before yeah. the podcast to see what... Ca- <laughs> And just sharing this for no particular reason, but there is a, a, a so uh, the um, Google tells me, there is a band that have been going since 2013 called Let's Eat Grandma. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm not going to pick anything by them because I don't know anything about it. I am going to pick something by Beth Orton because she's from Norfolk. Uh, and it's quite maudlin, really, so I didn't do very well on my kind of like, let's try and do something positive. But it's a beautiful song called I Wish I Never Saw the Sunshine. Oh and the implication God. is... <laughs> then I wouldn't mind the rain. And it's a bit like if we didn't really care about the Champions League, then we we wouldn't mind about the Europa League. Yeah. But it's a really beautiful piece of music. Yeah, 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 yeah. As James once sang, if I hadn't seen such riches, I could live with being poor. <laughs> uh, what have you got, Adrian? Oh, I've toyed. I've just My mood has been sort of <laughs> up and yeah. down all morning. I was thinking of... Uh, I still haven't. We still haven't found. What we, I still haven't found what we're looking for for you too. Uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Kelly Clarkson. Um, but you've used the word. You've used the word in the last few minutes, and that's faith. Um, and there was a George Michael song called Faith, and I think you've just got to have faith that maybe there's a miracle at the weekend, and maybe and have faith in this team moving forward. So let's not give up on them. Because I gotta have faith. Good, good. I like that. You know, I was going to choose Sorrow by David Bowie, but I'm not now. I'm having faith as well. <laughs> All right, I'm like changing, I'm changing. Uh, I'm going to go for I Believe in Miracles. Yes. That's a great one um, too. Yes. There's a lot of good versions. Uh, yeah. Hot chocolate. But I might go for Cud. Cud. Lyre. Cud. There's a name Their I version just while. gets quicker and quicker and more and more excited. <laughs> yeah. Which will hopefully be like our, our weekend. There you go. Hey, listen, you never know. That's what Mikel Arteta said last night is football. You never know. Uh, Here's to some dodgy lasagna down in Norfolk at the weekend. And um, we'll see some of you guys uh, on Monday. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you soon. It's all right.